0: Now, it's time for Modern Money Donuts with Stephen Hale and Gabrielle Bond. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Modern Money Donuts, our show about modern monetary theory, MMT, and ecological economics. My name is Gabrielle Bond, and I am the organizer for the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group in Adelaide, South Australia, and I'm also a director of Modern Money Lab and I'm here with my co-host Stephen Hale. How are you going, Stephen?
1: Uh, it's great to see you again, Gabby. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm uh, adjunct associate professor at Torrens University here in Adelaide, and I'm an economist at Gabby's organisation, Modern Money Lab.
0: <laughs> our organisation, we're doing it together.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Uh, with others, <laughs> with, with a great team of people. Um, it looks like our fabulous guest is online, so that's terrific. Um, Uh, We have a wonderful guest joining us today, Um, uh, it's Dr Sherry Wise, now Sherry is a regular at KRTD Media, she's also a senior economist with the US Department of Agriculture and an expert in both environmental economics and what is in the US called antitrust policy, but it's often called competition policy elsewhere. And we we did have a chat about that, didn't we, Stephen, last week? We Sherry did. was also recently on Joe Firestone's show talking about the microeconomics of inflation. You might have caught that episode. And we'll be talking about the pandemic, of course, Joe Biden, and how Sherry would change the US if she was the president.
1: Now we've, now, been... we've seen she's online. Yeah. Well, I can see her name. (laughs) That's it. Hi, Sherry.
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: And well done for making it. I know you've had a a (laughs) chaotic day. I'm gonna ask Sherry a question about pandemic inflation in the US. In a moment, once we get connected at the moment, I don't think she can hear us
2: um can you hear me
1: we can hear you sherry we can you oh, hear okay
2: i can't hear anything i'm sorry okay. i don't know what's wrong hold um sorry okay um
1: well let's see whether we can fix this with shane's help okay if we, if, if we can't we'll uh talk about something else for a moment <laughs> you should leave and come back sherry
2: Le- leave okay
1: Okay,
0: Okay, I have to we'll, leave and come back.
1: Yeah, don't worry, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk amongst ourselves for a couple of minutes, don't we? We've
0: be. got some news, actually, that we'd like to yeah. tell people about. So, Stephen, um, you mentioned Torrens University in your introduction, as you do every week. Um, I was, um, last year you were at uh, the University of Adelaide, so it's been a bit of a change for you. Um, would you like to tell us the good news?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, Philip Lorne, who we spoke to uh, two or three weeks back, and and I, uh, started talking to Torrance University, and mm-hmm. we started designing some MMT and ecological economics uh, postgraduate courses, which we're going to offer to people around the world uh, online, yeah. starting in September this year. One of formal- a kind that's right there's no such program anywhere in the world at the moment and we'll be signing i hope to so that we can start properly telling everybody about these courses by the end of this week it's taken a year and a half to get this far it's very very exciting with the support of people like fadel kaboob and stephanie kelton yeah and many other people locally including a guy called con Michelakis, who is a great friend of ours and uh, is the chief investment officer of the biggest superannuation fund in South Australia. And uh, I can't wait to tell people more about that, but I'm not going to do it just at this moment because we've got yes. Sherry with us.
0: Yay. Excellent. Thank you, Sherry. Hi, how's your sound and, and um, uh, audio? Everything's fine now. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. I don't oh.
2: know what happened, I guess, just signing in. No, that's
0: all right. <laughs> You're a regular. You roll with these things.
2: <laughs> so, um, well, it's nice to see you again, Stephen and Gabrielle. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, you good. Too. We've Hello. had a massive week since we talked to you. It feels like oh. such a long time, but actually mm-hmm. it's only been a couple of days.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Stephen, you uh, had a questions to start out with, didn't you?
1: I did. Let's start with the pandemic and, and inflation mm-hmm. because the oh. pandemic causes a global problem. And many countries, including the one that Gabby and I are sitting in, have had big government support packages to support people and businesses during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But the impact on the cost of living has been thus far nowhere near as big here Mm -hmm. as in the Mm -hmm. US. Mm -hmm. What do you put the spike in US inflation down to, especially compared to other countries where there's been much less of an impact so far?
2: Um, I think there are multiple issues that are going on um for one thing one of the we have kind of had different issues going on not all at the same time but um the, these various issues they've kind of developed um mm-hmm. and the whole the whole end result of it has been that it kind of is now spread everywhere. Um, and so one of the issues that we had early on was um, uh, we had food corporations uh, that were, the, the uh, especially in the meat packing industry, um, and I happen mm. to focus on that in my job, uh, There, we had a lot of illnesses because of the close quarters that the people work in.
0: Yeah, same here. We had yeah. We had big problems. Yeah.
2: And so we had a massive number of people in that industry just getting sick. And as a result, they, the, the plants were working at, you know, much lower capacity and, um, the the supply wasn't getting out in fact we had an unfortunate incidence of some animals having to be slaughtered because the num uh, sorry having to be euthanized because Mm. the because the the backup in uh in the facilities was so large uh that the animals were just um basically becoming too big to market and um so so that was a really um really unfortunate situation um mm. and then as time has gone on we had we've had episodes of um for a while there was a period of that um there was a shortage of of, of containers because mm. the 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 ships that were bringing um bringing goods in um from other places primarily china were um you know leave they would were bringing goods in 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 containers the containers were here and typically in the past what would happen is the containers would get refilled Mm. (laughs) with something and then go back um but in fact we had a lot of problems with um with with um, crops and things like that and so there were times when there was a real mismatch uh between demand and supply of mm. the containers so that created a problem we've had all kinds of problems with trucking and yeah. um yeah the, and um so that is a result of really the trucking deregulation that happened you know, years past and um, and then of course we've had multiple problems because of the lack of semiconductors and um, you know a lot of these things have have now had it, what's happened is, the, these things have come about because we basically have allowed our supply chains to be t- totally dependent on China and other companies, other countries. And when we can't get them, when we get, can't get things through here, fa- in in here fast enough, um, the ports have been black. Boxed. The ports have been backed up because yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know,
2: there's just for one thing, we don't mm-hmm. have that many ports that goods can come into. And so uh, I'm sorry.
0: So we're ahead. talking so we're talking really about um things that are happening in the in the kind of real world of stuff and not the financialized part of the exactly. economy. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yep. That is so, exactly it. Um, it is a su- they are supply problems. And they come about from many years of uh deindustrialization. And deregulation, mm. um, and um, and then also just some of it is just because this was a, um, you know, a, a monumental event, and so things the economy got shut down for a while, and so you know things weren't being made even what even even though we have off, outsourced a lot of the work that we a lot of the production that we have in this country we still make some things including food mm, mm. But, yeah yeah you know yeah, there's mass,
0: massive food um you know farming and agriculture isn't there mm-hmm. yeah right so so um would you could you tell us how that sort of influences inflation and perhaps Maybe then we can move on to talking about antitrust behavior and uh, regulations. That is well, one like of the to areas that you're. Something. Oh, Would okay, yeah, go ahead. First,
1: which is that, and uh, what we're hearing there is uh, is uh, the uh, complicated and fragile mm. supply chains mm-hmm. and supply chain problems, and of course the pandemic uh, having an impact on people just being able to. Uh, Uh, turn up to work Mm -hmm. and um to an extent that is something which i think has affected everywhere or
0: Mm -hmm. almost
1: everywhere but there's Mm -hmm. something else i think in the u.s i think it's a cultural issue Mm -hmm. i think in australia we have very concentrated industries including involved in food supply Mm -hmm. but there is a different attitude towards social license to operate here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in Australia, I think there's been much less of a tendency for shortages to drive prices up mm-hmm. because I don't think monopoly suppliers in Australia have taken advantage of the opportunity mm-hmm. to increase prices. Mm-hmm. And I think that somehow that's a more acceptable thing to do.
2: Yeah.
1: In the US And part as well. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And in fact, corporations, there have been comments by, you know, by corporations, people within corporations acknowledging that, in fact, you know, what they've been able to do is take some leeway, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so they're so they have some legitimate reasons for increasing prices. And Mm -hmm. yet at the same time, what they're doing is they're You know, bumping it up because they know that, you know, your average person doesn't know how much their costs went up. Mm. And so they figure, well, we can get away with it. And, you know, they, you know, there was a, a, a short period of time where where it did the the pandemic did affect profits and things like that so I'm sure that they rationalize it in terms of thinking that well you know we're making up for what we lost in the past but you know yes it, yeah, yeah. I, I would totally agree with you Stephen a lot of it is a culture and yeah it's A culture that has come about because we have allowed um, these gigantic corporations to get away with many things um, Mm. and um, including becoming bigger and bigger and less accountable to the public.
0: Mm. Um, we yeah. we did have a have uh, I can remember back a while back there was um, a similar but slightly different thing happening in Australia where we have we have a kind of supermarket duopoly I suppose you'd say, mm-hmm. and um, there was a time when um, they got into a bit of a undercutting price war over milk, and so mm-hmm. we were getting a liter of milk for a dollar, which mm-hmm. is way way less than it costs to actually produce and get the milk to the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um and people were pushing back on that. They were refusing to buy this milk. And there was campaigns to say, you know, buy the expensive milk. Don't buy mm-hmm. the cheap stuff. Do you remember mm-hmm. that, Steve?
1: That that remind well that's really the yeah, monopoly power pushing in the other direction.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The,
1: well, they push yeah, both yeah, ways. But, but it shows
0: that people weren't going to buy into that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so, time. but I to, to give them maybe the supermarkets so learned from that, but to give them their credit, we've had empty shelves sometimes in this mm-hmm. pandemic, but they mm-hmm. have not reacted to those health empty shelves by jacking their prices up.
0: Mm-hmm. Except for time, rapid antigen tests, they did it. Uh, they did with that. Well,
1: that yeah, but that wasn't really the supermarkets, I don't think. No. the uh, the um the the thing that I noticed. I think, anyway, this is the impression I have in the US. Is there are lots of businesses that have jacked up their prices by more than the increase in their costs?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Yeah, so margins have been built, right. and and there's been profiteering mm. going on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's right, but
2: well, I think there good. has been a certain amount of that, and you know, and I think, I think in in some ways a lot of corporations have been doing that kind of thing in a more subtle way even before the pandemic because mm-hmm. there's 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 something you could call hidden inflation and mm-hmm. you know so for instance companies oftentimes will, they start downsizing this, like, like, for instance, you'll get cereal that maybe it was a pound box at one point in time. Mm. And then it's like 14 and a half ounces. And Mm. then it's 12 ounces we've been seeing this kind of stuff or mostly know, air <laughs> you know for quite a yeah. while so they have they have been raising prices over the years but they've been doing it in a very more much more subtle way um mm-hmm. and it, you know in a way that your average person you know either they don't think about it or they you know, they just don't know. I mean, they, there's nothing they can feel they can do about it. Um, and so they might complain. Um, but um, but now they're just being a lot more blatant because they feel they can get away with it.
0: Yeah.
1: So yes. what could be done? What, what could be done about that, Sherry?
2: If you were in charge? <laughs> well, if I was in charge... <laughs> um, i think there, there's a lot of things i would do if i was in charge with <laughs> respect to this particular thing um mm. as you said stephen the in the united states we have um we have commercial or you know uh, corporate policies that involved what we call antitrust, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's basically, it's basically competition, you know, controlling competition and controlling mm-hmm. the lack of competitions more specifically. Um, and the re the word antitrust comes from the 1800s when there were businesses that were organized in a way to, you know, try to take advantage of, uh, you know, basically you try to try to make the most out of the money that they were getting and they the the structure was called a trust and so yeah. um and so in the u.s we create, uh we created a law in 1890 that was uh called the, the sherman antitrust act and yeah. so we referred to this competition policy ever since then this antitrust policy
1: another yeah. industry
2: yeah. In other countries, they may call it, you know, like competition policy or industrial policy or or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And what has happened in this country is that um, we have had periods when antitrust regulation kind of has ebbed and flowed. Um, after the after the great depression we had a period uh, of about probably 30 years or so when we really um took antitrust seriously and um, mm. like the supreme court justices took it seriously it was you know on a broad scale it was it was accepted that we did not want to have, want to have large corporations that dominated the markets mm. um and so but what happened was In the 1970s, there were a lot of, you know, economic issues that came about. And as a result of that, the uh, thinking of um, we generally refer to it as the Chicago School, but it's, you know, because they had such a powerful influence. But Mm. uh, the University of Chicago had a lot of. Economists and lawyers and people who had a lot of influence, uh, and so they they started really promoting this idea that um, antitrust was really kind of not necessary, um, uh, and especially they thought, well, we we can look for specific things like, you know, yeah, if we see collusion, you know, uh, or something like that that's clearly illegal, but other uh, than that, we're not going to worry about it. Well, Hmm. one of the things that's most important in terms of preventing, you know, giant corporations from concentrating is to control when control mergers. So when two companies want to merge or one company wants to buy out another company um, in the past, if the if one if one of the companies has a. Say a pretty good size market share, say they had 10, 20 percent of the market, and the other company had a similar size. Um the the um the agencies, the two agencies that are in charge of regulating antitrust, which are the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice, their antitrust division. Um, these two agencies would have prevented it, or right. you know, or they may have, you know, put some. Certain limits on it, or something like that. But
0: since nineteen, we just don't see that anymore, do we? Yeah, no. Since Same story in
1: the UK where I yeah. used to live. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, there used to be a, a body called the Monopolies and Mergers Commission. Mm-hmm. It's now called the Competition Commission. Uh. The emphasis has <laughs> yeah. changed. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and the problem is, it's the reality is switched.
1: That's right. So.
2: Um, we live in the day age of doublespeak, unfortunately.
1: We do, we yeah. do. So, so we've had neoliberalism basically since then. Mm-hmm. Which actually we were talking about with a, a marvelous group of people in Melbourne over the mm-hmm. weekend, and and what you've just described very well for us is the the build up to it, or what uh-huh. led to not just in the US, although probably more in the US than almost anywhere else. Yeah. But everyone else has shifted to
2: we may have led the way although mm-hmm. perhaps Brit- the Brit- britain was along right there along with us because oh, Margaret Thatcher helped yeah yeah yep, yep. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: so yeah and so what happened was um you know we had this policy of basically allowing these companies to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it ha- has happened in every industry mm-hmm. and um and so they have these companies have massive market power mm with that massive market power comes massive wealth. And mm-hmm. with that massive wealth comes an ability to influence politics. And, and so in the end, you know, all along, antitrust right from the start was believed to be in this country, um, a, a democr- democracy enhancing mm-hmm. type of policy. Um, and I think that these last 40 years have kind of proven that that is a correct stance to take. So this isn't really just about economics. It shouldn't be just about economics. This mm. is, and it's, it's, it's not just about equity. It's not just about economic power. It's also about um, being able to protect democracy from undue economic power.
1: And it seems to me as though, joe biden has really not been up to that task well do you think so or
2: well i think there are a lot of movements that are positive um Mm. one thing that's good yeah 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 we have um a woman who was appointed to the head of the federal trade commission commission her name is lena khan and Mm. she is very um uh, she's been she's been very vocal and active in concern about um, antitrust, and especially with respect to big tech. She mm-hmm. has, you know, she wrote a, a very important paper called uh, about Amazon, and mm-hmm. um, and so she uh, so that's a really good sign. And mm-hmm. there's also a good some good people at Department of Justice in the antitrust division. Also Biden issued a competition policy um executive order last July and mm-hmm. um you know his focus you know he he said we're going to take this seriously and he actually in fact is really focusing to a large degree on um the the meatpacking industry
1: mm-hmm. not solely mm-hmm.
2: but that is a, a big a big concern um mm-hmm and you know part of the concern is because the the um you know the meat packers are making record profits um mm. they um in addition you know they there's only like four beef packing companies um mm. and they um exert a lot of power um the a lot of the ranchers feel that they haven't been you know getting um compensated fairly uh their share of the farm dollar has continued to go down and down and down
0: yeah yep
2: yeah and so um and so you know that that's a big issue mm. and our, well, our I'm, I'm sorry our, our poultry it's, industry it's is vertically <laughs> integrated <right>. so that's <laughs> that's another set of problems
1: <laughs> right yep it sounds like a lot of these issues have much more to do with uh the jump in the cost of living in the U.S. relative to other high-income countries around the world, than federal spending or mm-hmm. or, or interest rates. Oh, and one yeah. of the things that's been in the news is uh, a discussion of and some controversy about whether what people sometimes call strategic price controls mm-hmm. might have played a role.
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: do you think about what do you think about that as an approach <laughs> to dealing with this issue?
2: Um, well, I'm not quite sure what you mean by strategic price controls.
1: Well, I wasn't really either, but uh, I'm going to forget the person's name now. There was a, a there's a, a woman that wrote a great book about how China escaped neo uh, neoliberalism.
2: Oh.
1: And she was advocating for what she called strategic price controls in the US. Uh-huh. Jamie Galbraith uh-huh. came out and bought, of course, his father, uh-huh. played such an important role in wartime. Right. Right. Price controls. Right. Um, I think Stephanie shared something Jamie Galbraith had said mm-hmm. on the net, and uh, Paul Krugman was uh, initially mm-hmm. very, very critical mm-hmm. of the use of price controls to mm-hmm. to deal with uh, inflationary pressures during a pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds. Um, it sounds like a a thing that the U.S. would kind of go. Oh, that sounds like uh, <laughs> uh, a, a against our freedoms type deal yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah um yeah uh, uh, the the u.s is tends to be very negative about those kinds of things Hmm. um but you know i think it may you know in food markets they seem to to clear fairly well i think it Hmm. probably depends on the particular market when you're Hmm. talking i think in a lot of the discussion uh with respect to if I'm, I may be wrong, but I think a lot of the discussion with respect to um, uh, the 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 argument you you're referring to, mm-hmm. did it not have a lot to do with um, like rent and housing? That's what I thought it was. There was
1: some. Talk well, that's about that's that. that's part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, and that's yeah. something that I think Nathan Tankus has mm-hmm. uh, written a lot about mm-hmm. in the past. But of course, there are uh, there are price controls. Uh, mm-hmm. In the US now, um, there's mm-hmm. a statutory minimum wage.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: a price control. Right. And right. In, in a way, you could argue that the way that the federal funds rate is, uh, is effectively
2: mm-hmm.
1: a mm-hmm. form of price control mm-hmm. as well. It's not as though there are no price controls. In Australia, we have regulation of companies that have um, very often as a result of privatization. Got mm-hmm. monopoly power mm-hmm. in areas which might be regarded as having public goods mm-hmm. characteristics.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I, um, is it Isabella Weber? The person that's right, that's the name yeah. of the I just looked
1: it up. She was There's the a
0: Guardian article from uh late December last year. If it, if anyone wants to chase it up, okay, okay,
2: yeah, Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you know, when you're talking about things like housing, I mean, that's that's a long-term problem. Um, mm.
0: There are, you know, yeah, there yeah. Huge it, it, is,
2: it it you know. I mean, I can certainly understand why. I'm, I'm not personally against price controls or 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 for them. Mm. I think I personally think it kind of depends on on the situation. But you know, I'm not sure that they are in and of themselves the solution. But mm. they might be a temporary solution. You know, they mm. might they might be an assist an assist for a particular, you know, to get through a particular time until you can actually address some of the the root of the problem. And so in, you know, in the U.S., we have these, we have these cities and um, they have these, you know, it's incredibly expensive. We don't have, you know, public housing the way we used to um and we have an incredible number of people who are now homeless. So mm. that's a real problem situation. Um mm. and um and I think you could have price controls that can help with that, but in mm. the you know, in the long run, you got to find a bet up, you know, a place for people to live. And mm. um, and I think it's important for everyone to have a place to,
1: to live. controls. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's we've opened up a bit of another topic here that I think it'd be really great to come back to at some stage, which is about mm-hmm. housing and homelessness and affordable how we how mm-hmm. we how we house people really, mm-hmm. and sometimes um, you know something that's quite complex actually has a simple answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm not sure if you have any any last questions, Stephen. But we should probably think about wrapping up soon-ish
1: we should given that we have such a such a short show we should have asked sherry to come back on
0: that very would be soon excellent, because, uh,
1: be excellent. Uh, that's one amongst many things that it would be good to go into okay. in more in more depth is there anything you recommend people to read or, or something that they should watch in order to understand um the current um problems in the us um I mean, it's obviously it's not we're not just talking about inflation here and actually that's a sign of underlying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. problems and uh, susceptibility to goodness knows what's happening next another pandemic or issues Mm -hmm. relating to climate change Mm -hmm. in the future who should we be listening to or reading
2: well I think um with respect to um with respect to um Antitrust and mm. industry concentration. Matt mm. Stoller, um, mm. he is a he wrote a book called Um uh, Goliath and mm. that talks about the history of antitrust and um you know it's in the US and, mm. it, and it's a pretty comp- comprehensive book, very interesting. Mm, he excellent. has he has a um a uh, um, a um blog. Well he has a he's on Substack. And it uh, okay. was it was free. Now you do have to subscribe, but it's five dollars a month. Um, mm. He is uh, he he writes about uh, competition on a re- regular basis, and he really talks about a lot of really interesting things. I mean, mm. he, he one of one of his favorite topics is a cheerleading monopoly, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and it's actually. Okay. Really-
0: pretty interesting but
1: where, where did we hear more from sherry wise as well
0: <laughs> yeah like because it? um when we when we were chatting to you offline we um we had a great discussion about ag- agriculture and soils mm-hmm. and and kind of the the ground on which we mm-hmm. all depend on which we live yeah. and i'd love to come to, back to that yeah. at some stage yeah. that's something that really means a lot to me yeah um and yes. I would
2: I would say that, yeah, I think that um, climate change is starting to affect agricultural prices as well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we have had some periods of, uh, of, you know, like poor crops and some things like that. And um, and so those things increase prices and lead us to um uh, you know it it, it, it it basically kind of builds up because these you know you're talking about basic crops that go into a lot of different things there's mm-hmm. the usda has a lot of good resources um about the um about what's going on with the with weather in uh, mm-hmm. the us and um yeah a lot of good resources that i can i can point you to um and so i think that's it's an important discussion. In fact, yeah. USU yeah. just announced they're going to do, give out, uh, they're going to have a billion dollars to try to deal with this, so.
1: Well, let's uh, let's ask uh, Sherry to come back on very soon and to discuss that then. Uh, that would be marvelous. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry. Yeah, uh, great
0: chat. It's nice We're to talk, talk to both.
1: Thanks, for, well, it's so lovely to have you on. I, um, I hope you come back on with us very soon.
0: And I'd just like to, sorry, before you talk about next week's show, yeah. Stephen, I'd like to give a shout out to the lovely people in the comments here watching us live. It's great to know that you're um, with us in spirit. And, um, yeah, shout out to everyone yeah. um, who's Thanks watching us. Much.
1: And next week we're going to talk, we actually started talking about it a little bit this week, about we've got what we've got planned over the next year and uh, outside of the Modern Money Donuts uh, podcast. and It's and a big week what, for us. What is driving us to do it? And then in two weeks' time, we're going to have uh, a, a marvellous man called Randy Ramesh who is the chief leader writer for the UK Guardian newspaper, which is uh, the leading national progressive newspaper in the UK and actually one of the leading progressive papers around the world and uh, he's a uh, an expert in modern monetary theory if you ever see an mmt inspired piece in the guardian uh, you can be 95% sure it's randeep that's written it so uh, we'll we'll chat to him in a in a couple of weeks time as well and thanks to everybody for joining us thanks to sherry again and please stay tuned for joe firestone at the top of the hour okay
0: excellent see you next time Bye. Bye. thank you Bye, Sherry. Bye-bye.